Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we ask uh, for your help this morning to see you. Lord, to seek you. Lord, to be saved by you for those that are not. Lord, I pray for those that, that came in here with heavy burdens, with difficulty, with anxiety, with stress, with sin that they're aware of. Lord, for those with sin that they are not aware of. Lord, I pray that you'd bring them to sweet conviction. Lord, that they would see your incredible grace and mercy in the midst of this passage. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, just a couple things. Number one is this, is that uh, THX is coming up. It's on November 25th. Uh, it's where we take a Thanksgiving meal and uh, some gifts and things like that to families all throughout uh, Salem and then also Silverton, where we've landed right now, because uh, I've been telling you this for the last couple of weeks. Maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. Um, we're often very surprised how little people hear about the announcements even though we say them all the time. So I'll just keep repeating it. But we, uh, this year, obviously, uh, food costs are different. Uh, they, are, uh, they have increased drastically. Um, and so our cost went up by like, um, I think it was 50%. It went from $50 a meal to $75 a meal. And that was for a family of five. Um, a lot of our families have more than five people, and so then we end up giving them a double meal. So then that takes the cost to $150 just for food for that family. So we had to recalculate. We were wanting to do 400 families, 50 in Silverton, 350 here. We backed that off. And so we're, we're at three, 330. Um, basically, we're looking for 300 families, 50 in Silverton, 250 here. And we'll have 30 extra meals in case there's... Uh, problems, you know, with delivery, which happens every year. Um, we are having Fresh and Local, which is a business just down the street from us that does school lunch type stuff. We're having them provide just the sides, no pie and no turkey. Um, and we are going, God willing, if we can find the barbecues, to cook the turkey ourselves. All right? <laughs> it is going to be a giant mess. All right? I, I just got to tell you, like this is, it is, it's, it's, uh, the, the actual process of it is actually terrible, all right? But, but the fun that you have when you're cooking a turkey at two o'clock in the morning is, uh, I mean, you, you just can't experience that anywhere else. And so uh, we're actually gonna take three days uh, and, and try to cook the meal. So that's the plan right now, is to cook our own turkeys. We got them for $1.99 a pound from uh, Roth's, again, God willing, that hasn't totally gone through yet, but that's what we're working on right now. Uh, we're gonna try to get some huge Traegers and we're gonna cook all these turkeys. It's gonna be amazing. So we're gonna look for a big crew the week of Thanksgiving to be cooking, uh, I believe it's uh, Monday through uh, Wednesday, I think, uh, something like that. So that's, that's what we're looking at doing. Uh, I wanna put that in your mind, just to be thinking about that. Week of Thanksgiving, if you got some time that you can take, uh, uh, put a break in your job, whatever it is, and come help, that would be awesome. And then uh, give towards that, because we've got to raise, we're trying to keep it in the $35,000 to $45,000 range. Um, we were getting up around 60, it just, it didn't feel right at that. So that's, that's the plan for THX. Um, in addition to that, uh, we, we have a way for you to get to know some leaders here at Outward Church. Some of you have come here during COVID. You left your, your local church. You haven't gotten plugged in yet because nobody knows you and you don't know anybody else. And you've kind of been coming in and out. But that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is that you would know people uh, and that you would be known by people. And so the beginning of that might be that you would go to dinners for 10. So dinners for 10 is, so we have basic, which is just to tell you a little bit about the church real quick. We meet you, that kind of thing. But dinners for 10 is uh, you can have a meal uh, with a, an elder or staff person, uh, their family, and uh, you and your spouse, or if you're single, just by yourself. Uh, that's a really awesome thing as well. And so that begins uh, the week of October 25th. And so you can sign up out at Connect Central or online, I believe. And so that's all that I have in that realm. Now we're talking about the story of Zacchaeus. And before uh, my most favorite song, uh, my most favorite song as, as a young adult was uh, probably Pour Some Sugar On Me by, uh, 
uh, Def Leppard. Um, and then I got into country and then some George Strait stuff. There's some really favorite songs in there that I, I really uh, loved. Um, but Pour Some Sugar On Me was definitely like, I mean, that was like early childhood. Uh, became aware of them and the Beastie Boys and some other people like that. And so. Uh, that was really great. But before all of those songs was the song, which was the song about Zacchaeus. And I don't, if you went to church when you were a kid, you might know this song. If you didn't, that's okay. But it's Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> yeah, don't say it. That's weird. That's weird. Uh, he climbed up in a sycamore tree over the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And this was my favorite part because here I am, a young boy. And I got to scream as loud as I could in Sunday school. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down right now. Like that was, that is how I sang that song. It was with gusto. It was like I meant it. Like Jesus was calling Zacchaeus out of that tree. And I have no idea why he was doing that. I, like what is going on here? And why are we making fun of Zacchaeus? He's short. Like, I mean, this is like, it's not racism, it's uh, what I, some type of ism that would not go well in 2021. Uh, so anyway, making fun of a, a disability is what it would be, so, which we don't want to do. Yeah. Who is hooting for that? <laughs> Sir. We're going to talk after the service, all right? I'm not sure you're going to heaven, but... Uh, <laughs> That's total heresy, total heresy. Yeah. We'll start the sermon off right, but uh, this is actually a very serious <laughs> passage about a guy who was, who, he was short. That's, that, that's very true. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting passage. What does it look like to seek Jesus? What's that look like? What does it take for you to actually go after him? What's it look like to come to a place where transformation enters into your life and into your mind, into your heart? Like, man, I mean, are, I think there's a lot of us here that feel like, man, I just keep trying and I just keep failing. I just keep trying and I can't stay committed. I can't seem to get my butt to church. I can't seem to uh, you know, stop this area of sin. I can't seem to start giving. I can't seem to love my neighbors. I can't seem to stop worrying. And it's, it's just a problem. Dane Ortland wrote a uh, new book. He wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly. You must read that fantastic book. It looks like you should read this one, but I haven't read it. Uh, uh, Brandon, who's preaching out in, Brandon Haverland, who's on staff here, he's preaching out in Silverton. Him and I were talking about our, our respective sermons, and he said, oh man, this quote is amazing. And so he gave it to me, and I went and found it, and I ripped it off. And so uh, Dane Ortland starts his book off with this. Who then is he? Talking about Jesus. The temptation for many of us at this point is to assume we pretty much know what Jesus is like. We've been saved by him. If you've been here for a little bit, maybe you know about this. We've spent time in the Bible over the years. We've read some books about him. We've told a few others about him. And yet, if we are honest, we, st we still find ourselves, our, our, our lives riddled with failure and worry and dysfunction and emptiness. One common reason we fail to leave sin behind is that we have a domesticated view of Jesus. Dean Orland says in, in his, his new book, man, I'm going to forget the name of that book. It's, it's called Deeper. That's right. He says in his new book, like, like the way toward real change, the way toward real transformation is to actually see Jesus, to see him and not just see him in a way that maybe you always have, but to go deeper, to go, to go deeper into this life of Jesus and what we have here is we have an example of somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all, but he's heard about him. He doesn't know Jesus at all, but he, he's kind of had an inkling. There's something in his life. Like, he's not a Christian. He's a Jew, but he's not a Christian. He has some, some religious uh, underpinnings, but he's not a Christian, but he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see him, and something happens to him that radically changes him. 
And I, I want to tell you, here's what you risk if you don't hear me. Here's what you risk if you don't hear this passage, rather. If you don't hear this passage, you might miss the reality of what can change your heart, what can change your mind, what can change your life, what can change your sin patterns, what can change your relationships, what can take you from being somebody who's embedded in this lifestyle and saying, I don't care what God says, this is what I'm doing. I don't, I don't care. What, what, what can happen here is that God can change your life. He can transform you. It's not that you're coming here for a little bit of religion. It's that there's nothing short of wholesale, complete, altogether, everything changing. Because the scriptures say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're something new. That's what's offered to you. That's what's offered to me. And Jesus is inviting you in to see him. That's what this portion of Luke is about. We kind of re, uh, re, retitled it, Real Jesus, because of this. Because we have an idea of what Jesus is, but is that the real Jesus? We have an idea of what we think about him, but is that really who he is? Is that really what he's about? Most of us have a wrong idea about Jesus. We haven't actually seen him. We've only heard about him. You might have some church knowledge where you've, you've, you've read some things, you've, you've been in the church for a while, but you may have nothing at all. But Jesus offers you complete transformation. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens through seeing him. But something first has to happen, and that is seeking him. Look at the passage with me, if you would. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. And it's as if he has to make a stopover in Jericho real quick because there's somebody that he's got to talk to. There's somebody that he's got to see. And so he's passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Here's a few things about Zacchaeus. First of all, it's not just that he was a tax collector. It's that he was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? A tax collector in those days, if you, you haven't been a part of the church before, is somebody who was, they, most of them, all of them, I would assume, were very rich because they took advantage of their own people. They took advantage of their own people. They knew the people in their village, and so they uh, know what they do for a living, and they say, come on, man, yeah, you, you owe more than that. They add to what their taxes are. This is a chief tax collector who's hated by his countrymen. He's hated by other Jews. And so he's an outcast. He's ostracized, but he's very rich. He has lots of money. He's a chief tax collector. It's like he is the head of the franchise and he has all of these people working underneath him. It's like this great pyramid scheme where he's at the top and he's the one who's making all the money. And so whatever comes with it, by denying uh, his, his people, by denying his religion, by denying all of those things, he is somebody who is outside of the norm. He is somebody who, who knows where his life is today at this time. He's somebody who's in the midst of all kinds of wrong sexual relationships. He's somebody who misuses money. He's somebody who is all about himself. He is somebody who is steeped in greed. He is somebody who has been completely overtaken by the world, and he has everything that he could possibly want, or so he thinks. He's very rich, but the problem with Zacchaeus is that he might be rich financially. He might be rich in relationships. He might be rich in houses. He might be rich in all kinds of things, but he is extremely poor. He's extremely poor. Are you there today? Are you there today where, where you think, I have everything that I want? I, I've, I've accomplished a lot of things. I'm, I'm, I'm finally in the relationship that I want. I'm finally, I'm finally at this place where I, I feel like I, I've got everything together and yet I still sense some type of longing some type of emptiness, some type of something that is happening to me that is causing me 
to, to, to sense, like, I don't have everything yet. And you, you, keep, you keep going after it and you keep thinking, it's just going to be one more thing. It's just one more sale. It's just another $1,000 in the bank account. It's just, it, it's just this car. It's this house. It's, it's, it's somehow having a sense of self-worth. Like my job looks at me and says, man, you're amazing. Or my boss looks at me and says, man, I'm giving you a promotion. Or that girl would notice me. Or that guy uh, would finally ask me out. Or like, like, it's just one more thing. And if I just had that, then I would get here. See, here's the thing about Zacchaeus is he had all that. He got to that place. He's a very rich rich man. But the problem with Zacchaeus is that his name actually means clean or pure or innocent or uh, like a, a righteous or upright. Who knows what were his parents' ideas for him when they named him? Here's our, here's our little guy, Zach. We're going to name him that because we just have this longing for him that he would be pure, that he would be righteous, that he would be upright, that he would have it all together. And yet Zacchaeus walks around with the understanding and the reality and the knowledge. Like when he, at night, right before he goes to bed, like, like he has to think through the idea that like, I was named this, this is what my parents wanted for me, this is, this is the group of people that I came from, and nothing about my life actually says that that's who I am, and that that's what I do, and that that's what I'm about. Like there's nothing about it. And so who knows, what does he walk around with? Does he walk around with shame? Does he walk around with shame? The same shame that's common to every single one of us in this room. And some of us are just self-loathing because it's just, I'm so shameful. I'm not living up to my name. And I, and I, I can't get it together and I can't seem to find the way and I can't and I can't and I can't and I thought these things would fulfill me and they don't fulfill me. But some of us are sitting and many of us who are religious in here are sitting here in pride. It's not just the religious, by the way, but many of us are sitting here in pride saying, you know what? Doesn't matter. That's, that's, those are, that's, just a, that's just something that comes from society to make me feel bad about this, that, or the other thing. I, I don't need that. I don't need to do that. So you may be coming from pride or self-loathing this morning, but Jesus has something else for you. It says this in verse three, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus was what he had heard enough about Jesus that he was like, I've got to see if this is true. I need to see who he was. Like, who is Jesus? Like, what is he like? You know, what, what, would, what would he do if I saw him? Maybe you're here this morning. Like, what would God do if I saw him face to face? What would he say about my life? Have you ever thought about the idea of, like, Jesus returning, like, right now? Like, what's our response to that? Like, if Jesus returns right now, like, is my house in order? Is, 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 uh, is my life in order? Are my relationships in order? Have I actually followed him? Am I longing for him? It, like, is, is, what, what would he be like? How would he respond to me? Well, here's Zacchaeus, and he is seeking to see who Jesus was, but there was a major, major problem, and that was the crowd. The crowd is this whole group of people that are on this bandwagon. They're on this bandwagon because Jesus is walking around. He's healing people. He's doing all kinds of amazing things. I mean, he, Zacchaeus is, is hearing rumors, and all of these people are following him, and there's this crowd that's around him. There's this crowd, and he is small of stature, it says, but he could not because he was small in stature. So here, this, this guy has a problem physically, and the problem is this. I can't see beyond what's going on around me. I can't see what's happening around me. I can't see this guy because of everything else that's in my way. I want to see Jesus, 
but I can't see him because there's a bunch of things that are going on that are keeping me from seeing Jesus. Do you feel like that at all? Do you feel like that? There's all kinds of things today. There's all kinds of ideologies that you could grasp onto. And the crowd might be this, that my chosen ideology has got me so wrapped around the axle, left or right, it's got me so wrapped around the axle that that's the only thing that I can pay attention to. That's the only thing that I can really look at. The crowd might also be entertainment. Your phone, Netflix, social media, text messages, phone calls, podcasts, audible books, whatever else. Def Leppard on your uh, headphones. I don't know, just as an example. Someone should record Zacchaeus uh, was a wee little man at some point. That's not part of the sermon, but... There's all kinds of crowd around us today. There's all kinds of crowding around us today that keeps us from actually seeing Jesus. And if you're in this place where you're saying, I sense that I am, like I I may be really rich in a lot of different ways, but I sense an emptiness. I sense a lostness. I sense a lack of growth in my life as a Christian. I sense that I am that I am in a place of a lack of growth. One of the things that you have to look at is this, is that there is a, a crowd around you. And the question is this, whose life are you being conformed into? What life are you replicating? Because we are people, because we have mirror neurons that mirror the behavior that we see. What is the behavior that you're watching? What types of movies are you engaged in? What types of shows are you watching? On social media, whose face are you looking at? Are you being conformed into your own image? Are you being conformed into your own ideas? That's the ideology of our world today that says, you do you. Don't let anybody tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. You do you. Do whatever you want. But you're just being conformed into you. And the scriptures tell us, and we see the failure of that ideology. As we watch our world fall apart, as we watch utopia not happen in our world, if we would just get to this point, then everything would be fine. If we just make this amount of money, if these people get elected... If you go to school, you'll have a great job. If you, if you do this, if you do that, if you do, well, you'll create this utopia. No, it's not going anywhere. You're just being conformed into the image of you, the image of the people around you. Whose image do you want to be conformed into? And this is what Zacchaeus understands in this very short little story. What he understands is this, is that I am not going to be able to see Jesus if I do not get out ahead of the crowd. If I do not get ahead of the crowd, if I do not wake up early in the morning before my kids get up, if I do not not put my phone down, turn the TV off, if I do not stop always being available to my friends, if I do not, whatever it is, I'm never going to see Jesus. I'm not going to see him. Zacchaeus runs ahead, verse 4. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. What did Zacchaeus do? And in a sense, what we talked about two weeks ago was this, was that the rich young ruler 
needed to let go of his possessions in order to take hold of Christ, in order to take hold of Jesus, to let go of this in order to take hold of that. And this is what Zacchaeus is doing here. He's saying, I want to get into the position where I even have the possibility to see Jesus so that I can see who he is. And men and women, this is just incredibly practical. I don't care what's going on in your life, what type of sin is taking place. I don't care uh, how entrenched you are in everything else. All of that is forgiven on the cross. In fact, look at this, Romans 12, one and two. The apostle Paul says to this, says to the church in Rome, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Like, in order to come to God, the only way that you can come to him is not in pride and saying, there's nothing wrong with my life. It's no big deal that I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, my boyfriend. It's no big deal that I, that I just do whatever I want in relationships and in sex, watch whatever I want, see whoever I want, talk however I want. It's no, it's no big deal. No, it's coming to God in humility, aware of my incons- inconsistencies. It's coming to God aware of how much I don't measure up, but to see the mercies of God. You cannot come to God unless you see the mercies of God. Zacchaeus must have seen. He must have heard. He must have uh, become aware of the mercies of God. The Apostle Paul says, I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Whose image are you being conformed into? Is it yourself? Is it other people? Is it even other good people? Because that's just conforming yourself. That's only doing what's humanly possible. You can look at Jordan Peterson and say, man, I really love those however many rules for life he has. You can look at whoever you want to. You can read their book. You can watch Oprah. You can uh, do whatever you want. All you're doing is conforming yourself to someone, to something that is humanly possible. It is not transforming. See, transformation is purely spiritual. It is purely supernatural. It is purely removing all the barriers and allowing you to become something. And that is to be modeled by the life of Jesus Christ. So he runs ahead, he climbs up into a sycamore tree for he's about to pass that way. Verse five, and it says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and calm down for I must stay at your house today. Now, the, the, the song that I sang as a kid was incredibly, like, it just kind of numbed me to the idea that Jesus is just walking along, and, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. All right, let's go. That, that, like, that's, that's what it seemed like to me. But think about this. There are hundreds of people, I have no idea, lots of people, that are around Jesus. They're around him and they're walking with him and they're walking down the street. And Zacchaeus says, you know what? I'm gonna get ahead of the crowd. I'm gonna get up early in the morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make church a priority. I'm gonna do this. And he gets up into this sycamore tree and he's waiting for Jesus. And what's not expected is this, that the son of God would stop what he's doing and know him by name and say, hey, Zacchaeus, hey, I am coming to your house today. I, I am coming to your house. I must stay with you tonight. Can we just take a second? and just kind of let that soak in for just a second. What if you took your time 
and said, I'm going I'm to move forward in faith that Jesus wants to talk to me, that Jesus wants to see me, that Jesus knows me by name. What if that's the attitude that I should take rather than this distant view of this God that's out there somewhere, but that we have, we have a picture of Jesus who meets us when we run ahead of the crowd, when we say, I'm going to make this a priority. I am going to get out ahead of this. Jesus meets him there. And he knows his name. Jesus will meet you there, and he knows your name. He knows much more than your name. He knows your deepest, darkest sin. He knows the grossest part of you. He knows the worst bits of your life, of your story. He knows your failures. He knows what you've been involved with, and he knows why you've been involved with those things. He knows what's hurt you. He knows he knows uh, how you've been rejected. He knows how you've been abused. And he loves you intensely. He knows your name. Look at Jesus. See him for who he is. That this man with thousands and thousands of people possibly around him stops and knows one person who is seeking him. He will meet you there. How does Zacchaeus respond? So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. What happens there is that Jesus gives him a command. I want to see Jesus. I, I want to know about him. But, my, but I'm not sure whether I want to obey him or not. See, the test of whether, do you really want to see Jesus? Do you want to understand him? Do you want to have relationship with him? The test of that is, do, do you love him? Do you see his love for you? If you see his love for you, there's a response that comes as a result of Jesus saying, I'm staying at your house tonight. Come down. Come down right now. The, the question is this, when you come to Jesus and Jesus gives you the command of, I, I'm, I want to stay with you, I want to be with you, but I need you to obey and just take this one small step. The first step of becoming a Christian is baptism. That's the first step of obedience. That's what Jesus calls us to. But there's many other steps of obedience that say, man, I see him. I see that he knows me. I see that he loves me. I see that he stops everything. The, the entire crowd is around him and he sees me. Don't you want to obey him? Don't you want to listen to him? That's the question is like, are we gonna be conformed into the image of this world, into the image of ourselves, or are we going to be conformed into Jesus? And if we are going to be conformed, Obedience has to follow. But he receives it with joy. He receives Jesus with joy. He takes Jesus into his home joyfully. Verse 7 says, And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Who's they? The crowd. There's three people in there, or three groups of people, or three entities in this story. You've got Zacchaeus, you've got the crowd, and you've got Jesus. The crowd sees what happens, and they all grumble. There's this cynicism that is in all these people. Who knows? They probably know Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. This guy is the head honcho of the people that rip us off. What would Jesus want with this guy? Why would Jesus take him into our town? Why would Jesus go into his house? Why, why is this happening? There's a cynicism about this guy who's like, what would he do at church? Why would, he would never measure up. 
She should not be here. Don't you see who she's sleeping with? Don't you see what he's done to girls? Don't you see how he's treated his family? Don't you see how greedy that guy is? Don't you see what happens there? Jesus, what are you doing? There's this cynicism about not Zacchaeus, not that guy. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you're just going, man, maybe I feel that way. I feel like I don't measure up. I'm not even a drug dealer or a pimp or a prostitute or something like that. Like, I just can't seem to be a good Christian. I can't seem to long for Jesus. Like, I'm hearing Pastor Matt talk like this, and I don't even feel anything right now. And I don't, there's no reason why Jesus would want me. But the crowd is saying the same thing. There's no reason why Jesus would want this person. And yet Jesus said, come down. I'm staying at your house. And Jesus is saying to you, come down. I'm staying at your house. I'm staying with you. It is a beautiful picture. Here these people are. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. What is Luke trying to point out to us in this passage? He's trying to show us something that he's shown us before out of Luke 15, verse 2 where it says, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Luke wants you and I to know, he wanted the early church to know, that Jesus only receives sinners and eats with them. You cannot come to Jesus this morning. You cannot start a fresh, take, turn over a new leaf in your Christian life. You can't start a Christian life with an understanding that says, I am going to make these changes. I am going to do these things. And that way I'll be acceptable to God. No, you must, you can only come to Jesus as a sinner, as a tax collector, as somebody who does not have it all together. And that's what Luke is showing us again. This man receives sinners and eats with them. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Everyone in the crowd grumbled. Everyone looked on and said, that's so dumb. There's no way that this is happening. And Jesus says, it's happening with me. And Jesus says, it can happen with you. I can transform. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly when this was. I've always imagined it as it's a fast, fast forward. Jesus is reclining at table with, uh, these, uh, with these tax collectors, sinners, disciples, everybody, this ragtag group of people. He's sitting there and Zacchaeus, after seeing Jesus, after experiencing something happens to Zacchaeus that like no one expected. Zacchaeus didn't even expect it. Something happens to Zacchaeus that seems impossible. Something happens right here and right now. And he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now think about this for just a second. Like, generosity in that time among the Jewish people would have meant... If you were a generous person, you would have given 20% of your income to giving to the poor, like serving the poor. That would, have been, that would have seemed extremely generous. It would have been the top amount, that kind of thing. This guy says, I'm giving 50% of my estate away. I'm just giving it away to the poor. And then he says, and if I've defrauded anyone... Now, that's a, it's not a big if. It's a very little if. It's, I've defrauded people, and so therefore, I'm not just going to repay them and give them back what I took. I'm going to restore it fourfold. It's not just that he was, that his heart was changed, that he was a little bit more generous, that he, that there was just, you know, a couple things that he needed to clean up in his life. It was that radical generosity entered into his life. Radical change took place. 
Like I was going this direction one day and then the next day I was going that direction. Like this direction, this day I was going, I am about myself. I want to build myself up. I want to be like this. I want to be like that. I want to gain all these things. And then all of a sudden, all of my desires changed. It's like my heart was changed. It's like I became a new person, like I'm a new creation, like something took place that I have no control over. I've said this before, but I have uh, somebody very close to me who's seen radical change in their life, and they don't even understand it. They finally came to this place where they said, I have tried everything. I've tried every method. I've gone to every class. I've, I've done all kinds of self-help stuff and it did not change anything and I finally got miserable enough where I finally said okay I give up what do you have for me Jesus and boom desires changed I've always wanted this kind of car I don't even care by the time I got to this age I, I wanted to be here in life I'm just happy I'm alive I, I, I wanted to be with these people. I wanted to have this kind of family. I'm just happy with the family of God that I've gained. It's like, bam, it's transformation happened in this, in this guy's life. So you can follow a person and a minister or a pastor or a priest or somebody, somebody that you respect, and you can be conformed into their image or... You can go to the author, the perfecter of faith. You can go to your creator who knows the buttons to push, who can take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He can take you from not caring to caring. He can take you from embedded in this lifestyle and say, I'm going to give you a new lifestyle. It's supernatural transformation. That's what's offered. And it is shocking what Jesus says next. And Jesus said to him, today, right here, right now, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. What does that mean? Well, on the surface, it means this, that Zacchaeus just got saved. Another word for saved is to enter into the kingdom of God. It's to leave the kingdom of man. It's to leave the kingdom of you as king, you as in charge. It's to leave that kingdom, you as the one that you're following, that you're being conformed into, and it's taking on a new king. It's entering into the kingdom of God. Why is this shocking? Because Jesus just said a few verses earlier. It is extremely difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It is extremely difficult. It is so difficult that it really doesn't happen. In fact, the disciples then say to Jesus, like, if that guy can't be saved because of his riches, who can be saved? They extend it themselves and they go, Wait a minute, like if that's what happens, then like how can that be the case? Like no one can be saved. And Jesus says, with man this is impossible, but with God it's not. Anything is possible. What is, what's happening here? Jesus says it's more difficult for a man, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. What did Jesus just do? He just put a camel through a needle. He's threading the needle. He, we just witnessed a camel go through the eye of a needle because with man, it's impossible, but with God, anything is possible. That's what Jesus is doing in this guy's life. That's what Jesus can do in your life. But how does that happen? It's not gonna happen because you tried a little harder. It's not gonna happen even just because you attended church. It's not gonna happen because of some of those things. It's going to happen because of this. I was listening to John Tyson talk. He's a pastor from New York just a couple days ago. And he said, it's this whole 
beholding, becoming thing. You've got to behold the Son of God in order to become. He's taking that from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, where it says, And we all with unveiled face, that's a reference to something from the Old Testament. He says, But we all, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Do you see, do you see what's happening here? It's like we become when we behold. We become like Jesus when we behold Jesus, when we see Jesus for who he is. And so you, you have to see Jesus. You, you have to behold him in order to be transformed, in order to become that thing that you've been longing for, that you've been looking for, that change that you've been wanting to happen, you have to behold him. You have to look at him. You have to see him. And it has to be something that like when you walk into the room and your family, that you are carrying with you, as Paul says elsewhere, that you are carrying with you the aroma of Christ. Like you're so steeped in Christ. You're so steeped in Jesus that you smell like him. It's like, what's that smell in this room? Like, it's just Jesus. He's exuding off of me. He's, he's coming out of my pores. He's, he's all in me. He's around me. He's on me. He's in the midst of me. But why would that be? It's because you've beholded, you've seen, you've sought out the glory of Jesus. What is his glory? What is this person? What's he like? We have books about it in the Bible. But just look at John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is God. He was with God from all, from the very beginning. Everything was created through him. Nothing, you, your kids, your job, this earth was created without him. He's the creator God. He rebukes demons. Evil obeys him. He calls ordinary, unschooled fishermen to greatness and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. He heals lepers with two words, be clean. He forgives sins. He walks straight up to sinners and he says, follow me, and they do. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. But it's only those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've, called, I've come to call sinners to repentance. He tells a man with a withered, disabled hand, stretch out your hand, and he does. He says that the poor, the hungry, and those who weep are blessed. He says, the rich, the full, and those who laugh now are cursed. He says to love your enemies. Is the Republican Party telling you that right now? Are the Democrats telling you that right now? Is some Facebook group that you're on telling you that right now? They're not, but Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He's that guy. He says, love your enemies. He says, do those who do evil, to, do good to those who do evil to you. Guys, no one is doing that in our world. Do you want to see transformation? Do you want to see something different? See Jesus. He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful, implying to you. He was called a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He is known by the 
kind of company that he keeps, and he loves it. He is called a friend of people who don't read their Bibles. He's a friend of people who just can't seem to get their crap together. He's, he's a friend and he sits down and he has dinner with people that are sleeping together that should not be sleeping together. And he loves you. He hangs out with gossips and overeaters. He hangs out with people that are lazy and he hangs out with workaholics. And he loves you. See Jesus. Behold the Son of God so that you can become, so that you can be transformed. This is what he offers you. And he does this all because of this, because he also says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He hangs on a cross, and he dies for your sin. And it's as though you are doing it in front of him. And he says, I'll take that. I got that. Yep, that one's, I'm, I'm paying for that one. And I'm paying for that one. And I'm paying for that one. And you say, Pastor, you do not know what I'm involved with right now. No one would agree that I'm doing, uh, what I'm doing right now is right. And Jesus says, but I knew it when I was on the cross. I was there. I was, I was paying for that. I, I did that for you. He's appealing to you by his mercies to offer your body as a living sacrifice. The last thing is this. Jesus says, this is what I came to do. This is what I do. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You can spend your whole life seeking after Jesus and find yourself in a place where you finally figure out that this whole time, Jesus was seeking you. He has sought you. Do you desire it? You can't desire it on your own. He sought you first. He is calling you to himself. You say, I don't know how I could let go of this relationship. I don't know how I could let go of these finances. I don't know. Jesus says, I've threaded the needle with a camel, I can do it in your life. I came to seek and save the lost. I'm the one that does the seeking. I'm the one that does the saving. Let me handle that. You just come and get in a place where I can see you. Can we go to the Lord's table?